AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Let's go places. Hey, Daniel, what keeps you up at night? Oh, I worry about a lot of things. Financial crises, my kids growing up to be just like me, all sorts of stuff. (laughs) I worry about that, too. (laughs) For them. You worry about my kids growing up to be just like me? We can't have more of him in the world. (laughs) Okay. But like on a galactic scale, on a universe scale, what's something we should be concerned about? Well, we do have a lot of things to look forward to in terms of our galaxy. If we survive the sun exploding and the waters of the Earth boiling off, then we have something pretty dramatic to look forward to, which is that our galaxy, the Milky Way, is going to collide with their nearest neighbor, Andromeda. Meaning right now there's an entire galaxy, Andromeda, heading towards us at this very moment. That's right. It's like somebody shot it at us with a slingshot and it's zooming right towards us and it's going to hit us smack on. Hi, I'm Jorge. And I'm Daniel. And this is our podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe. On the episode today, we're going to talk about what will happen when galaxies collide. Is this something we should all be worrying about and packing our bags about? Building our underground shelters? Or are we all screwed? Or is it just going to be like a big nothing? Yeah. How much should I pack? (laughs) You should definitely be stocking lentils no matter what. Lentils are a good investment for any of these end-of-the-world scenarios. Not just beans. No, no, lentils. I mean, lentils are a kind of legume. For a galactic emergency, <laughs> that's, the, that's the one to go with. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would invest in lentils heavily. And it's not just because I happened to purchase lentil stocks just before we recorded this <laughs> podcast and I'm trying to drum up the f- lentil futures. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sincerely worried about our listeners and I, I encourage you all to go out there and stockpile lentils. 
Well, that's a whole hill of beans worth of advice right there. <laughs> that's right. And so this is the question in today's podcast. What will happen when our galaxy, the Milky Way, collides with the neighboring galaxy? And this question I love, not just because it's huge and dramatic and galactic and all this sort of stuff, but because it was suggested by one of our listeners. That's right. It's Blake from Australia who listens to this podcast on her commute to work every day. That's right. And she didn't tell us what she uses to commute. Maybe she rides in a beautiful pickup truck. Maybe she's in the back of a limo. Maybe, Maybe she rides a kangaroo. A ca- you know, <laughs> who knows? That's right. How they do it a kangaroo down Kangaroo with a really nice sound system. Yeah. But she had some interesting feedback for us about our podcast, right? What did she say? Yeah. She said that she likes listening to me explain things, but she also likes when you interrupt me. Mm-hmm. She said that often you interrupt me just the same moment when she has a question and you pose the same question that was bouncing around in her head that she was shouting at her limo sound system or kangaroo speakers or whatever <laughs> it is she's using to listen to. And yeah. so I was glad for that because, you know, I like when you interrupt me also. It breaks the flow and uh, and keeps me from just droning on and on and on. So thank yeah. you, Blake, for suggesting this topic. And thank you, Jorge, for occasionally interrupting. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be rude. <laughs> it seems to come naturally to you. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so that's the topic of today's podcast. And we thought first, before we dove into it, we would walk around like we usually do and ask people, are you worried about a galactic collision? What do you think will happen when our galaxy collides with a neighboring galaxy? So put that image in your mind, two giant galaxies full of stars running into each other. What do you think is going to happen? Here's what people had to say. Um, big explosion, we'd probably all die. <laughs> <laughs> it is going to be mostly nothing because of all the empty space around the world, although there will be some crashes and so on in the way. Okay. Probably somewhere between a glacial slow event that we won't even notice and nothing at all. <laughs> Maybe leaning toward nothing at all. <laughs> I think it would probably be a big explosion with something pretty crazy happening. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that was a little anticlimactic. People seem to have very low expectations of this event. What do you mean? It seems like half the people were like, it's going to be nothing. And the other Mm -hmm. half were like, big explosions, we're all going to (laughs) die. Well, why do, you, why do you think Blake asked this question? Do you think this is something she's concerned about or is it something she's curious about, you know? I think Blake is probably deciding whether or not to stock up on lentils, you know? Um, <laughs> she's probably right now, uh, sorry she asked. <laughs> I think it's part of just trying to be a, sort of a citizen of the larger universe, you know, wondering where we stand and trying to think bigger than just our planet, you know, because there's so much going on out there. It's so easy to just walk around on the surface of this planet, never really look up and remember that there's an enormous amount of stuff happening out there. And then you wonder like, well, how is that relevant to me? And is it going to ruin my life or can I go on ignoring it? Right. Um, so I think maybe she was just sort of thinking into the deep future and wondering like, how long can this whole ridiculous, beautiful thing we call life on Earth go on? Right. Is it going to change from how it is now? Right. Yeah, exactly. Do I need to change the way I live? Does it affect any decision making? On the other hand, it could be that Blake, like many people, is just a thinker and likes to think about these scenarios. And she probably heard that the Milky Way will collide with Andromeda and wonder, like, what's that going to be like? Mm. You know, there's this this other side of me that likes to smash stuff together. I mean, I'm a particle physicist. But then we have the whole universe to play with, right? And so you might wonder, like, what happens when planets collide? What happens when solar systems mm. collide? Oh, my gosh, what if we could build a galaxy collider and shoot them against each other and smash them into each other, right? right. So it just comes out of, like, a curiosity to see stuff break by smashing it together. Yeah. Well, let's, let's take a step back and just kind of think about why even galaxies 
would collide? Like, is this a relevant question? That is this something that happens a lot? Galaxies colliding, or is it something that's incredibly rare? It turns out galaxies colliding happens all the time. It's like a totally natural thing. Really, and our galaxy, yeah. Not only will our galaxy collide with Andromeda in a few billion years, it's currently colliding with other smaller galaxies that what? are around it. We're, yeah, we're in a collision right now. Yeah, that's right. And remember that uh, the galactic timescales are very different. You know, the galaxy takes about 200 million years just to rotate once. To go around once? Yeah, so one galactic year is 200 million Earth years. But it looks so swirly. It looks, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it, it looks like it's in motion. But it's actually it is super in, slow. It is in motion. It's just very slow, right? And so all these things are dancing uh, around each other. And sometimes they bump into each other. And the thing that I think is amazing is that, you know, until like 100 years ago, we didn't even know there were other galaxies. Like we looked up at the night sky and we saw stars and we thought, oh, there's just stars that go on forever, right? The universe mm-hmm. is just filled with stars. The universe is just like a giant mess of pinpoints, right? Just stars. Yeah. Yeah, like somebody had scattered stars across the uh, the cosmos, right? Mm-hmm. And it was Hubble, uh, the guy for whom the telescope and the constant are named. He's the guy who figured out, oh, some of those things that are really far out there are not stars. They're other galaxies, right? Mm. So there's the universe is filled with other galaxies. And of course, there are more galaxies than stars. And, and then each galaxy, of course, contains hundreds of billions of stars. And so the number's pretty quickly blow your head up before you can understand them. Okay. But the the point I wanted to make was that we didn't realize there were galaxies until recently, and now we're realizing that galaxies are in motion relative to each other, and that they're moving. Now, these galaxies that we see out there in the sky, they're not just like hanging there in space, never to change, right? Mm-hmm. They are moving, they're dynamic things, and they're right. constantly in motion, and they have huge gravitational attraction. Well, let's break it down. What exactly... Is a galaxy? I mean, I know it's like kind of like a collection of stars, but you know, what, what is? Why do stars clump together like that? First of all, and what, what makes a galaxy special? Like, why is it more than just a, a clump of stars? Well, what makes our galaxy special is that you're in it, Jorge. There's no <laughs> other galaxy that features such a good-looking, funny cartoonist. So Thank you. That... Me, me and Lentils, we make it, <laughs> we make it habitable. Right. Okay. So, what's the recipe for a galaxy? Right. Well. The thing that the galaxies have the most of, remember, is dark matter. Mm. In general, there's about five times as much dark matter as there is any other kind of matter. You know, the stuff that makes up gas and dust and stars and people and cartoonists and and, and ice cream. So it's mostly wow. dark matter. Okay? So that's the stuff we can see or touch. I mean, we did a whole podcast episode on dark matter, but it just in case somebody didn't listen to it, um, it's like this weird, invisible, dark gravity thing that's hanging out that every galaxy has. That's right. Yeah, we call it dark and matter because we can't see it, so it's dark, and we know it gives gravity, so therefore it's matter. Mm. And the crazy thing is that until, you know, a few decades ago, we didn't even know it existed, and now we know that galaxies are mostly made up of this stuff, right? Wow. So number one ingredient when you want to make a galaxy is you have to have dark matter. It's like five times more than the stars, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like a galaxy is basically a clump of dark matter with a few sprinkles of stars in it. That's right. Yeah, if a galaxy was a cupcake... Right, mm-hmm. the uh, dark matter would be the chocolate cake, and you know the, everything else would be the frosting and the sprinkles. Mm. The gas and the dust would be the frosting. The stars would be the sprinkles on top. Oh, I see. Okay, that's kind of the right proportions. Yeah, something like that. Wow. Um, so you start with a big blob of dark matter. Okay, and that's most of it. 
And then after that, you have huge amounts of gas and dust, right? And that's the stuff that's left over from the Big Bang or mm-hmm. left over from stars exploding. And those are the, the ingredients you need to make planets and stars and all sorts of stuff that you're familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have dark matter, you have gas, you have dust, you have planets and stars. And black holes, right? Like there's not just little black holes sprinkled throughout, throughout probably, but there's a huge giant black hole at the center of every galaxy. That's right. I can't believe I forgot the black hole. The black hole at the center of almost every galaxy is huge. It's like, you know, millions of solar masses and it's sitting there at the center of the black hole. And it's, it's got a lot of stuff to it also, right? It carries a lot of mass and so it contributes. Mm. So that's what a galaxy is. And, okay. you know, a galaxy couldn't really form without all those elements. Like you couldn't really have a galaxy without dark matter. Because dark matter provides the gravitational attraction to suck all this stuff together. You know, they do these simulations of the universe. They say, what would the universe look like if you never had dark matter in it? And it would take a lot longer for galaxies to form because dark matter has pulled all this stuff together. It's like it's made a, you know, like a well in the rubber sheet of the universe. So everything rolls together more closely. Okay, so that's a, that's a galaxy. It's a black hole surrounded by dark matter and sprinkles of stars. And gas and dust. And lentils. <laughs> and lentils, exactly, yes. And so they're not just hanging out in space, they're moving around. That's right. They're, each one is spinning, right? Which is why mm-hmm. you see a lot of them having these, these spiral features. Each one is spinning. And then they're also moving around each other. They each have gravity and they're moving around each other and they have these... Each galaxy is a member of a cluster of galaxies, and so these guys are orbiting the center of the cluster. And then the clusters are members of superclusters. So these things have a lot of gravitational interactions everywhere. It's like a system of galaxies. They all interact with each other, and they all spin around their common center of mass. Exactly right. And they're all spinning around that center. So sort of like a big slow motion tornado, right? <laughs> if you looked at it, if you looked at it really, really slow, you're like, oh, nothing's really moving. I mean, I guess a little bit, but mm-hmm. you, you, you watch it at natural speed, a tornado, and obviously it's going really fast. And so a galaxy is that sort of that same way. The, ga- the system of galaxies is sort of that same way. Right. That they're all moving around each other. And then occasionally, you know, they bump into each other. Wow. That's so weird to think that gravity works that way. Like we are, you know, moving around the center of the earth. The Earth is moving around our solar system around the center of gravity, which is mostly the sun. But the sun is also moving around the center of gravity of the galaxy. And the galaxy is also moving around the center of gravity of its cluster of galaxies. That's right, yeah. And on and on and on, like a bunch of nested Russian dolls, you know? Yeah. Until you get to the biggest structures in the universe, you know, which are the superclusters and then the filaments of superclusters. And beyond that, we don't know anything about whether there are bigger and bigger structures. That's as far as we've seen. So we're moving around, and sometimes these two two galaxies can just run into each other. In the giant vastness of space, all these moving galaxies can sometimes cross paths, right? Yeah, and there's an, another thing I want to say about that before we talk about what actually happens, which is that it's incredible to me that gravity is the force that's dominant on these scales, right? Like, that's the thing that's controlling how galaxies form and how they dance around each other, and that's pulling them all the way through the universe and, and forming these crazy structures. It's all gravity, right? But gravity is the weakest force of nature. It's weaker than electromagnetism. It's weaker than any of the nuclear forces. It's mm-hmm. pathetically weak, but it's the only one that operates on these huge scales and that can't be balanced out. 
And so, because it's only an attractive force, there's no repulsive version of it. And so that's why, like on these huge scales, gravity is a thing that dominates. Gravity determines the structure of the solar system, the structure of the galaxy, the structure of the clusters. Gravity sort of wins in the end. It's like, you know, revenge of the nerd forces, right? It's like <laughs> the weakest force in the end controls the universe. It's like slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> That's yeah. right. It's the turtle of forces. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we need to do a whole other podcast on why gravity is so weird and weak and whatever, and we'll right, get to that. Right. Okay. But so we have a, a clusters and galaxies are moving around space, and sometimes they collide. So yeah, let's talk about what actually happens when two of these things collide. But first, let's take a quick break. Physicists are famously sticklers for detail. And when it comes to the fine print contracts and hidden fees from wireless providers, I've learned that there's always a catch somewhere. So when I heard that the Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, where's the catch? But now I'm convinced there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online, so they cut out the cost of retail stores and they pass all those savings directly to you. So you can say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, draw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All of Mint Mobile's plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com slash universe that's mintmobile.com slash universe cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see Mint Mobile for details how do you feel about eating plastic if you went to a restaurant and saw plastic on the menu would you order it well turns out that we're all eating and drinking roughly a credit card's worth of plastic every week yep that's right the products we're using every day are ultimately contaminating our water supply, generating hundreds of microplastics that we end up ingesting. Yuck. Well, what can we do about it? Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's not complicated. Refillable cleaning products without sacrificing on design. Their products have a beautiful, cohesive style that looks great on your counter. My family got the sampler pack and it already smelled great when we opened the box. Everything works super well, stuff gets really clean, and it's all super easy to use. So it's no extra hassle in our lives and we feel great knowing we're generating less plastic waste. Blueland has a special offer for listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash universe. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash universe for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash universe to get 15% off. At UC San Diego, we understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture, you have to be willing to venture further out. That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station with cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world. To bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. Learn more at ucsd.edu.
All right, so uh, we're sitting in a galaxy, and we are moving inside of this galaxy, and this galaxy is moving in space. But there's another galaxy nearby called the Andromeda Galaxy, and it's kind of an intercept course with us, right? Like we're going to run into it in about four and a half billion years. Yeah, not kind of. They've measured it. They can measure the velocity of Andromeda relative to us, and they can see mm-hmm. that it's getting closer and closer every year. And they can uh-huh. also measure the lateral velocity. Like, is it going to shoot by us or just or come right at us? Uh-huh. And after for a while, they weren't sure. They were like, oh, it's heading our way, but it could miss. You know, like uh-huh. every time they say there's an asteroid coming within, you know, a certain thousands of miles of the Earth, and then usually it misses. Uh, for a while, they weren't sure, but now they're pretty certain. They've taken enough measurements. They've seen it moving. They can project confidently that these two things are going to collide. Also, Andromeda and Milky Way have a lot of gravity, and so you don't have to aim perfectly to get a collision, right? They're going to um, pull each other closer oh, and closer. They want to collide. <laughs> you know? Do you know what I mean? Like It's not like a random asteroid. It's like we're, we're pulling towards each other. Yeah, well, I don't know if you can really say they want. Like, do, you, do you understand the psychology of a galaxy? Do you know what a galaxy wants in life? You know, Hey, galaxies um, have feelings, right? <laughs> I, I think I read that science fiction novel right, where every galaxy is actually a living thing and we were just like the tiny moats on, the, on an island of red blood cells inside a galaxy. Anyway, yeah, so you don't have to shoot perfectly and mm-hmm. they're going to collide. So to think about what happens in the collision, you probably think about each individual piece separately. Like we're a cluster of things. Like a galaxy is not a solid object. It's like a we're almost like a cloud of things, right? Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, imagine two crowds, right, passing mm. into each other. Like uh, one gets off the train and one's coming down the stairs, and they pass each other in the platform. What's going to happen? Well, it depends on how they interact, right, and how dense they are. Oh, I so see. So we can start with something the the obvious parts, like the stars. Okay, so you might think oh my gosh, there's a hundred billion stars coming right at us. That's uh-huh. going to be a big deal. Is that the right size? Like, is Andromeda about the same size as the Milky Way? Uh, actually, I think it's bigger than the Milky Way, but you oh. know, factors of 10 here are not important. Um, so it's hundreds of billions of stars, and each star, of course, is really big. And you might think, well, they're heading right at us. You know, this is going to be a big deal. But remember that the stars are really far apart also. And, like Galaxies are huge, not just in terms of the number of stars, but in terms of the amount of space they take up. Oh, I see. And, you know, you look around you in, in our galaxy, there aren't that many stars nearby, right? And the closest stars are light years away. Uh, I like this crowd analogy. That's pretty interesting. Like we're a crowd of people getting off the subway. There's a crowd of people coming down the stairs to get on the subway. It's going to be a disaster, potentially. <laughs> potentially. But if it's not rush hour and the crowds are pretty light, you know, there's like enough space, the two crowds can just pass right through each other. Like if the stairways and the hallways are huge and people are right. pretty spread out, it may not be like a riot, you know, it may just be like yeah. a busy intersection. Right. It's like two people leaving Yankee Stadium at the same time as, as somebody else is trying to come in. Like there's plenty of exits. Nobody's going to bump into each other. Right. Uh, okay. And that's sort of the case with stars. I read this one comparison where if you imagine a star is the size of a ping pong ball, on mm-hmm. average, the nearest star is three kilometers away. Right. So mm-hmm. like if you were going to throw a ping pong ball into a cloud of ping pong balls where the spaces between them were three kilometers away, you'd be lucky if you hit anything, right? Even if you were trying. Oh, I see. Okay. So it, our galaxy is actually pretty sparse, meaning the stars are pretty far apart from each other. We're not sort of clumped together. Yeah, exactly. And Astronomically so, speaking. Astronomically speaking. And so there's going to be very few or probably zero direct collisions, you know, where one star like actually slams into another one. You get stellar explosions. I mean, that would be pretty awesome. 
I would pay for front road seats for sure. <laughs> but I think it's pretty unlikely that's going to happen. Oh, but you know, there's 100 billion stars running into 100 billion other stars. Surely some of them are going to hit head on, isn't it? Aren't they? I mean, there's always a non-zero probability. You could get lucky or unlucky, depending on which uh, which outcome you're rooting for. But if mm-hmm. they're diffuse enough, right, if they're, they're far enough apart, then, then all of them could pass through without hitting. I mean, I think probably the most likely scenario is that maybe you get one. The stars also don't have to hit directly to affect each other. Right? Each one is a big blob of mass, which means it has gravity. And so mm. they can jostle each other. I mean, if another star came by near our solar system and passed nearby, it could affect the orbits of all the planets. Oh. You know, like nudge a planet out of orbit. It didn't have to hit the star directly head on in order to affect our lives. It could maybe pull us out of orbit or suck us into that other star. That's right. Um, it could uh, it could steal planets, right? Exactly. Or um, one of our planets could get ejected out of the solar system, right? Or it could even kick our star out of the galaxy. Our star is in orbit around the center of the galaxy, right? Uh-huh. And if it comes, if a, another star comes near enough, it could get pulled, and so that it gets, you know, out of that orbit. Right? An orbit is sort of a delicate thing. You have to be the right radius and the right velocity for it all to work. You start oh. going too fast and you reach escape velocity. And our star could even get kicked out of the galaxy. So we could be, you know, sort of um, evicted from the Milky Way, uh-huh. floating in intergalactic space, just our star with the planets and everything. Oh, I see. So when two galaxies collide, it's not, it's not, we don't have to worry about, about things running into each other, but it is going to be pretty chaotic, right? Like suddenly there's going to be you know, twice the number of stars, and that's just going to change everything, right? Yeah, exactly. So things are definitely going to get mixed up. They, the stars won't necessarily smash into each other, but they'll definitely mix each other up and disturb each other. Yeah. Mm. So are, they, are these two masses just going to kind of go towards each other, mix a little bit, and then keep going? Or are they, you know, slam into each other and then become this giant mega galaxy? It depends a little bit on their relative velocity. If they're going fast enough relative to each other, then they'll pass through each other, right? But if, if they're not, and it doesn't seem like they are, then the most likely scenario is that they merge, that they come together and there's a little bit of sloshing and whatever, but eventually becomes one big galaxy. Wait, wait what does that mean? It's like the, the, the other stars from the other galaxy, they're going to come, but then they're going to kind of go past us a little bit and then they're going to get pulled back in kind of thing. Like it's going to... Like a giant jelly out in space, like it's going to go, blue, blue, you know what I mean? But in slow motion. Yeah, or sort of like things getting flushed down the toilet, you know, they come closer and closer and closer and circle each other faster and faster. It's oh, Cosmic swirly, you know. We're, we might circle each other, the two galaxies. Yeah, and sort of a wall being on top of each other, you know. So come together, pass a little, the centers of mass might pass a little bit and then turn and come the other direction and spin up faster and faster until the centers of mass align. So being flushed down the toilet, that doesn't, that doesn't sound pleasant. Like that doesn't sound like it's going to be easy. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't sound like it's going to uh, leave us unscathed. It, yeah. it might though, you know, our sun could be totally fine and it could be that the planets are not distorted. Their orbits are not distorted and we could just have a front row seat to a pretty amazing event. And the other thing is that we see this happening all the time. Like you look out into space with the Hubble and you zoom in on other galaxies. There's lots of galaxies out there and lots of them are in stage, various stages of merging. And you can see galaxies that are just starting to merge. You can see galaxies that have been merging for a billion years. You can see mm. galaxies that obviously merged a long time ago and they're sort of like an uncomfortable blob of two galaxies. Like one spiral arm is sort of knocked off over here and there's another one over there. And so we have a lot of catalogs of examples of galaxies that have merged. Really? That's how we know so much about it, yeah. If you look at there's a bunch of crashes that you can study. Yeah, exactly. So you want to know 
know what galaxy collisions look like, you don't have to build a galaxy collider. This is one thing I love about astronomy. You just have to Google it. You can just... <laughs> That's right. Cosmic Googling, otherwise known <laughs> as telescopes. Um, you just look out into space and eventually you will see that thing happening. Like you want to imagine some crazy scenario where this kind of galaxy hits that kind of galaxy and then from behind comes a third one. That's happening somewhere out there and you just need to find it and watch it. And so that's the amazing thing about astronomy is that all these cosmic experiments are happening. We just need to look for them. Wow. Okay, while we process that, let's uh, let's take a quick break. At UC San Diego, we understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture, you have to be willing to venture further out. That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station with cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world to bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. Learn more at ucsd.edu. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities. But it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. All right, so that's what might happen to the stars in the galaxy. What's going to happen to all these other parts of the galaxy when these two galaxies collide? Right, and I like that we started with the stars because that's like the most important thing to us because we're sort of starocentric, right? Because we think stars mm-hmm. are, the mo- are the most important element of the galaxy. But the biggest element of the galaxy, remember, is dark matter. And so you might ask, well, what's going to happen to all our dark matter? And just like with the stars, what, what happens there depends on how much it interacts. Currently, we don't really know anything about how much dark matter interacts. We know that it doesn't interact with normal matter. We think it doesn't interact with itself, or if it does, it doesn't interact very strongly. And so, but it does have gravitational attraction. 
So if the galaxies are, are going to hit each other and they're not moving too fast, that they just basically pass right through each other, mm -hmm. then the gravity from dark matter is going to affect the gravity from the other galaxies' dark matter just the same way the stars are. And the two will sort of merge eventually and become one big dark matter halo. And it's the kind of thing I would love to watch, but you can't really see the dark matter. It could be just another version of the cluster of stars. You know, it's like one blob goes into the other blob and then they kind of slosh around and then just becomes a bigger blob. Yeah, you can think of the stars as sort of like a collisionless liquid, right? It's like a you have a liquid of stars that don't interact with each other the same way the dark matter does. So mm. dark matter and stars are basically operating this under the same principles. The only relevant interaction that we know about is gravity. So everything we said about stars is also going to affect the big blobs of dark matter. Now, dark mm. matter is much more continuous. We think it's smooth. It's not like there's just dots of it here and there. But because it hardly interacts with each other, it doesn't matter if it rams smack into uh, itself, right? It the only not, effect is gravitational. It may not interact with itself, meaning it'll, it could just pass by, by itself and not really kind of explode or collide or do anything besides pull itself gravitationally. Yeah, exactly. And we don't even know what dark matter is made out of, so we can't say things like dark matter particles can do this. Dark matter, as far as we know, is just smooth, collisionless blob uh, of something, and we know it has gravitational interactions, and that's really about all we know about it. So wow. we think that, that that's what's going to happen. And, you know, we've seen dark matter in these gravitational collisions, and we see that it basically sticks with the galaxies, right? It sticks with the stars. Mm. Okay, so then the last part is the black hole at the center of each galaxy. What? No, no, don't forget the dust, right? This gas oh, and dust, dust, which okay. a lot of people overlook. And this is actually the most exciting part because... The dust is the most, is the coolest part. <laughs> I know. That's how you know you're listening to a nerdy podcast when they get excited about dust. <laughs> oh my God. The dust. No, if, if for those people who are like expecting dramatic events and explosions, this mm -hmm. is where you get them. Okay. Because oh. dust is not diffuse, right? It's spread everywhere. Like you have a big blob of dust. It's not like little clusters of mass the way stars are, it's a huge extended blob of dust. And when it smashes into another blob of dust, you're going to get fireworks. Like those clouds of dust interact with each other the way dark matter doesn't. And they're um, spread everywhere the way stars aren't. And so you get huge collisions. And what happens when you compress gas and dust, what happens when you collide huge blobs of gas and dust mm -hmm. is you get more dense and then you get stars. And so you could see like new stars being born where these two huge clouds of gas and dust bang into Whoa. each other. Literally like fireworks, like... <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah. Cosmic fireworks. I mean, what's more dramatic and um, what's a better cosmic firework than seeing stars be born? Yeah. So this one is going to be like two, you know, you know, two liquids kind of running into each other. It is going to be kind of dramatic, you know? Like it's, yeah, it is going exactly. to be like... With the sound effects and everything. In space. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. It's just like two water balloons hitting each other, right? You're going to get an initial shock wave. And, you know, you don't get stars born when you fire water balloons at each other because the density isn't great enough, obviously. But, yeah, you're going to get a shock wave. You're going to get friction between the fluids. And you're going to get stars being born. It's going to be pretty dramatic. Oh. So you don't want to be there. You don't want to be wanna, the, But we are. Aren't we surrounded by gas clouds and stuff? No, oh, I think you need denser stuff. I mean, the, the Milky Way definitely has big clouds of gas and dust. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I see. But when those clouds run into the other clouds, then that's where this stuff happens. Mm -hmm. But we're not necessarily sitting in one of those clouds. That's right, yeah. Oh, okay. 
The last element is the black hole, right? And okay, so yeah. our galaxy is a huge black hole at the center, and other ga- almost every other galaxy is a huge black hole at the center. Mm-hmm. And there, it's going to be mostly dominated by gravity, right? Um, because they're going to pull each on each other really hard, mm-hmm. and they're going to pass by each other a little bit, perhaps, because they're probably not going to hit dead on. And then they're going to swing around. They're going to pull on each other. So there'll probably be you know some sort of a near miss, and then they'll turn around and come back. And then they'll just circle each other faster and faster and faster. And if you remember the episode we did on gravitational waves, or if you heard about the discovery of gravitational waves, you know that what happens when black holes get close to each other is they start to circle each other faster and faster until eventually they spin really, really fast and the distance gets closer and closer and closer. And then they merge and they become one enormous black hole. They like eat each other. Right. But it, And it's not a peaceful event. It's like a pretty violent thing, right? Like they, they've been super, super fast. There's energy spewed out everywhere. And then suddenly you have these huge cataclysmic gravitational waves. Oh yeah. When black holes fight, it's a big mess. Absolutely. You don't want to be anywhere near that wow. um, because huge amounts of radiation, not just gravitational waves, right? Yeah. You make gravitational waves, which are pretty awesome from a physics point of view. But, you know, these things tear up into each other and emit huge amounts of radiation. And so you don't want to be anywhere near that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's going to like uh-huh. sterilize life on any nearby star system for sure. But anyway, there probably isn't any life in the center uh-huh. of our galaxy for that same reason, that the galactic black hole is already emitting huge amounts of life-killing radiation. So uh-huh. you don't want to get too close anyway. It's like the eye of a storm. There's nothing living in the middle of it. <laughs> that's right. right. I don't know if it's calm inside the black hole. Though we did a whole episode actually on what it's like to be inside a black hole. So you guys should go listen to that. But yeah, it's uh, it's everything is swirling around that central black hole. And so probably what will happen is they'll merge and the new milk, the new galaxy. I wonder what that galaxy would be called actually. Yeah. How would you combine Andromeda and the Milky Way? Like Andromedinky, Andromedinky Way, Milk Milk Andromeda. <laughs> I don't know. Andromeda Way. Um, the Andromeda Way, there you go. The Andromeda Way, yeah. The the new galaxy would have a huge, super-duper bla- massive black hole at its center. Mm. Yeah, And so I think that basically sums it up. You'd have uh, the black holes would probably emerge, huge, uh, violent um, eruption of radiation there. Right. The gas and the dust would have a lot of friction. It'd cause, cause star formation. Big explosions. Big explosions. Fireworks. Yeah, exactly. Friction. Yeah, just all the kind of stuff you expect to see in the next Transformers movie. <laughs> and then uh, Mark but the rest of the stuff. <laughs> he'll be there He'll be sure. there, He's yeah. Everything. At least his bones. If there's money to be made, he'll be there. Um, And then the stars and the the dark matter will just have a gravitational effect. But they'll, you know, eventually settle down. And in a few more billion years, the the new galaxy will have its own shape. It'll sort of settle into its own new shape. But it kind of sounds like every part will do something different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they will because they follow different rules, right? They all interact differently. And so. But so then, kind of the nice structure we have now is going to be pretty much obliterated, right? When it merges with the other one. Yeah, exactly. You shouldn't count on your real estate being the same value after the galaxy collision because <laughs> everything's going to be shook up, right? Oh, Absolutely. So it's going to be different. disrupt the entire, both galaxies are going to be totally disrupted, fireworks, collisions. But you're saying it's possible we may survive it, right? Like it's possible nothing will actually happen to our solar system. I think that's the most likely outcome, yeah, is that it will just be sort of interesting. Most likely. Yeah, most likely. Um, most likely thing, I mean, we're a star. We, we, we're basically part of our star, right? You think of the solar mm-hmm. system as just one big blob. And the most likely thing is that nothing gets close enough to disrupt our orbit around the star. And you know what? Even if our star gets like ejected from the galaxy, so what? We don't need the galaxy. We could live just fine, just a star with a bunch of planets in the middle of intergalactic space. We don't need anything else. 
We just really? need our star to provide energy for life. So, so we don't, I mean, just in the same way we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, like you don't really notice what's going out in space because you don't usually have to. And if uh, all those, if all those stars disappeared and all we, and we were in the middle of, of intergalactic space, it wouldn't change your life at all. You would still, still need to stock up on lentils for the coming apocalypse. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't save you or change your plans at all. You wouldn't mind getting kicked out of town. Like that, that's kind of what it would feel like. Like <laughs> that's being right. Exiled. Well, the whole town, our whole town would just get kicked out, you know, and we just go on living the way we we did before. Mm. But things will definitely change for us. Even if we survive this galactic collision, the night sky will look very different. I mean, as Andromeda approaches in the next few billion years, it will grow in the sky and eventually look really big. And then after the collision, right when things have settled down, the night sky will look totally different because all the stars will have been rearranged, and we won't see that band of the Milky Way anymore. Well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> I was sweating. I was sweating what was going to happen four and a half billion years from now, but now, now I feel better. And I, I, and I hope Blake, you also feel a little bit better. Yeah, that's right, Blake. Chill out. Don't worry about it. Um, you have nothing to worry about. When Keep on riding that kangaroo closer. to work. <laughs> I think it's fun to think about things happening deep into the future, and also even further into the future. You know, the, the universe has been around 14 billion years, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just sort of like the, the initial bits, not before we get to the interesting part. Mm. But it could be that we're not even at the interesting part, you know? Thinking about galaxies in this way reminds you that they're spinning, they're dynamic, they're swirling around each other. What's going to happen? We don't know, right? They could continue to swirl and form crazy new structures that no, the universe has never seen before because there hasn't been time to make them. And so this is the kind of thing that makes me think about the universe like on the trillion or two trillion life uh, year cycle. Like if life is still around 10 trillion years into the history of the universe, they'll think about these first few moments of galactic uh, formation as, you know, or almost irrelevant or just like just warming up. Yeah. The best may be yet to come, huh? <laughs> That's right. I'm an optimistic person, so I'm always hoping that the best thing is, is yet to come. Exactly. Well, great. Um, Thank you so much, Blake, for sending us this question. Uh, We really enjoyed answering it. That's right. And check out our book called We Have No Idea. It's a guide to the unknown questions of the universe, all the things that physics wants to know the answer to but really hasn't got a clue about. And thanks for listening. Yeah. And if you're hungry or want to stock up, just don't forget to get Daniel's Spicy Lentils. (laughs) (laughs) Now available at your local grocery store. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, that's one word, or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.